TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. It's not like we weren't already paying attention to the work of Access Living. The group advocates for and helps people with disabilities. They were part of the coalition of groups this past week asking the city of Chicago to make plowing snow from the sidewalks a government responsibility, not that of homeowners. And their members are active in housing-related advocacy underway now. But then they unexpectedly received an $8 million gift. Well, it's time to take a closer look at an organization that's clearly making a difference. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is a woman who apparently was almost as surprised as the rest of us when Mackenzie Scott disclosed her $8 million donation to Access Living of Metro Chicago. I say almost because Karen Tamley surely knows why Access Living might deserve such attention. She is the president and CEO, and she is leading the great work that's underway there. Karen Tamley has led Access Living since March of 2020. She took over an organization she'd previously worked for. She held several positions from 1996 to 2005. Her highest profile position before this one, though, was serving as Chicago's commissioner for the Office of People with Disabilities. She served three mayors in that position. She's won awards and served on several boards and commissions, and now she is head of an organization that has more ways to assist and serve people with disabilities than you may realize. We are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing, and Karen Tamley, welcome and congratulations. Thank you so much, Craig. Thanks for having me today. Well, it is a pleasure. And uh, believe it or not, our managing editor and, and I were talking about having you on this program earlier in the week before the multi-million dollar donation came to light because um, that we've been following the plow the sidewalks efforts of course but uh, but here we are so I'll, I'll ask you the 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 the, the uh, silly question first but tell me how you learned that uh, Mackenzie Scott was making this donation um it was really a phone call that I received and said that she recognized the great work of Access Living and the work we were doing to support people with disabilities and um, wanted to grant us this amazing gift. And so it was it was very much of a surprise. I, I can imagine <laughs> it was. And I know you have answered this question a zillion times this week. 
but uh, I can guarantee you we're probably going to dive a little deeper uh, in our discussion. But what will Access Living do? What is it doing with the money? Sure. So it's all very recent, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, and so we're obviously starting to have those conversations now. But what I can tell you is that we have a really robust strategic plan that really we developed during the height of the pandemic, because the pandemic really exposed so many longstanding disparities that disabled people have faced for so long, and it just shined a spotlight on it. And so we felt that as an organization that provides direct services, that leads advocacy initiatives for people to live the lives of their choosing um, and to make our world more accessible, we really need to, to focus in on you know, what the pandemic told us. And so we have a couple of new strategic priorities that we're looking at um, really moving forward both faster and harder now that we receive this money. Um, I would say one primary um, initiative is to really address poverty in the disability community. Um, that is a really a through line in our community. It affects every other issue that we work on. Um, unfortunately, so many of the folks that we serve are on social security, supplemental security income, um, you know, around $800 a month. And when you're living on that amount of money, it's just not enough to really survive. And we want to do what we can to address um, poverty in our community. Um, disabled people are twice as likely to live in poverty as those without. Um, when we look also at the disability racial wealth gap, um, it's, it's even more compounded. And um, so those are some of the things that we want to approach. Also, the unemployment gap is very wide. Um, you know, in Illinois, it's it's really, really stark. And so we have a lot of work to do in this area. And so we want to do both a combination of, you know, direct services to really support the financial stability of people with disabilities, but also look at the systems that are keeping people with disabilities trapped in poverty. There's many um, disability benefits out there that have income and asset limits. Um, so you're not able to be able to get additional income easily without it impacting your SSI and perhaps your healthcare. And so we wanna really both look at this from kind of a root causes um, perspective, um, but also from an individual perspective and helping people do things like build credit or repair credit. Um, Think about things like ABLE accounts, which are um, accounts where you can um, put money in without it impacting your benefits. So there's a lot of different areas that we are going to be focusing on um, to really try to address poverty. The other kind of key, one of the other key issues I think as part of economic justice is, is just the digital divide. And that really became obvious during the pandemic, how many of our consumers like have no connectivity, have no device are uncomfortable using the internet. And on the same hand, we see, you know, so many like public benefits being online applications and you need access um, for, to a computer 
for literally almost everything we do today, right? Get a job, um, get a place to live. Um, now go to your doctor, um, stay connected with your friends and family. And so um, this was really, really glaringly obvious to us during the pandemic. And so we did a small pilot program to um, get laptops and connectivity into the hands of our consumers. But this to me is really tied into the issue of economic opportunity. And that if you're not digitally connected or have digital literacy skills or just a comfort level, um, on top of the levels of accessibility um, of websites and things like that, which is another um, digital divide issue too, this is something that we also wanna really, really focus in on um, as well in the next year. Uh, um, I, I yeah, would go ahead, sure. Ask because you are dealing with essentially two separate issues when it comes to uh, the digital divide. Um, because because of the poverty issue, many people can't afford to have even connect, basic connectivity. But then for people with disabilities, very often there have to be more enhancements uh, that mm -hmm. uh, may not be available. And I, I would think that that it makes it a double problem. And and okay. how do you address that? And, and let's face it, different uh, different disabilities require different solutions. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I think the benefit is, you know, there's been so many advancements in technology, so many different ways that disabled people can use technology to make their life easier and more accessible. But then on the flip side, the affordability piece is such a challenge. So, um, so yeah, the issues are multi-layered and, like you said, on top of just the digital connectivity and access to devices, it really is about um, helping folks with disabilities get access to the, um, you know, the assistive technology or the accessibility features um, in a way that will benefit them and really level the playing field. So that is another issue that we're really focused in on because you know, and a lot of these devices can be expensive, right? Um, so that's a certainly another very unique and important component of the digital divide that, you know, we're going to be looking at. Um, how does Access Living, and I mean, I know it's been doing it for a long time, but those of us outside may not see it or may think it's more difficult than it is. I, I, I would hope that, but because you are representing people with all kinds of disabilities and serving those people, how do you do all of that? Um, you know, because it's the mobility is different from vi visual impairment. Mm -hmm. And how do you make one organization serve all those constituencies? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of our programs are, they're open to people with all types of disabilities. And really our work is about meeting people where they are, regardless of their disability, right? So everybody, um, you know, wants to live independently. Everybody wants to be able to, you know, mobilize around the city, um, get a job, um, live in the community. And so, so much of our work is about that individual support, um, no matter what your disability is. And I think with the independent living movement, really our philosophy is, is, is about the common thread that we all experience 
a level of discrimination and exclusion. Um, and so it becomes less about your type of disability, but more about the common experiences that we all have. And so um, particularly with our peer support work, you know, that is a really important theme that, you know, disabled people are working with other disabled people and we're the experts in, in our own lives, right? And we have something to offer our own community. So, so I would say that that's, that's a really, really important fundamental like tenant of the work that we do. Um, the times when I have uh, most often uh, encountered people from Access Living, uh, it has been, uh, yes, some things like, uh, you know, physical barriers and the like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but most often it's been about housing. Yes. How, how serious, how difficult is the housing piece of this? It's really difficult. It's one of the most pressing issues impacting our community. It's, it's the issue that we get the highest volume of calls at Access Living. And the same was true when I was at the city. Um, you know, again, going back to the poverty, um, you know, there's a huge need, tremendous need for affordable housing as, as number one, right? Housing that people can afford to live in the community that's of quality. Um, and then on top of that, you many people with disabilities have a need for accessible housing. And so when you combine the two, it becomes really, really difficult, um, particularly when you're low income and you don't have the option necessarily to get, you know, live in an accessible building that might have a higher rent because it's a newer construction, multifamily housing, um, you know, building. So it, it's just a real, real challenge. And then layered on top of that, we also have discrimination. So Access Living is a certified fair housing organization. So we do a lot of fair housing work. We defend the rights of people with disabilities to live in the community. And you know, we get a lot of requests for just people who have been denied, for example, a reasonable accommodation or a modification in the housing or people who have tried to rent and they've been discriminated against or refused the ability to rent based on their disability. And so, you know, the housing challenges are very like multi-layered. It's not just one thing, but I would say the affordability is, is high on the list. And, and that's the biggest thing that we're working, you know, to try to address. And uh, I, I do know that, uh, as you said, it's a fair, you're a fair housing organization as well, which means that uh, sometimes you're, um, sending teams of people out where someone has been discriminated against to see if, in fact, the person who told them there was no housing really actually has housing. Yep, that's right. So that is, that is a part of what we do is testing. But um, I would say in addition to the, um, you know, just the discrimination that someone might face by a landlord, um, there's also discrimination when developers fail to comply with accessibility guidelines. And so that has been a really big issue in our community. You know, even in the own, in the condo building that I live in, I moved in and, you know, it was new construction. It clearly fell under the Fair Housing Act amendments um, requirements. And my patio door was 22 inches wide and I use a wheelchair and I couldn't get in out onto my own patio. Um, and so, I mean, it, that's pretty, it's a pervasive issue as well. And so we still have a lot of work to do in that area of, of just 
you know, simply constructing housing that's compliant with federal accessibility laws. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're talking about the advocacy and service organization known as Access Living with its president and CEO, Karen Tamley. This past week, they received an $8 million donation from philanthropist Mackenzie Scott for their work for people with disabilities. Um, Let's talk about something that's somewhat related to housing, but it was in the news earlier this week, and that is uh, the plow the plow the sidewalks movement, which sounds like it's just a simple small thing, but it's not, is it? Yeah, I mean, it is an issue. Um, you know, this has been an ongoing issue for many years. I will say, um, you know, it's it's the snow and ice during the winter months that really prevent so many disabled people from being able to leave their house, um, to get to bus stops, to get dropped off by paratransit, to really get out and about in their communities. And, um, you know, even though we have, you know, ordinances around obligations of, of building owners to shovel, you know, even if a couple don't shovel or the homeowner can't shovel, um, the entire sidewalk remains unaccessible. And so many people, including myself, end up having to go into the street um, to get to that bus stop or to get to the store. Um, and so the snow really is a big barrier for so many people with disabilities um, and folks that you know are older too. And so, you know, we think that this would really help make Chicago a truly livable. Uh, walkable, rollable city, 365 days a year. And in fact, uh, uh, the coalition that's uh, pushing for uh, this kind of a move, making this a government responsibility is, you know, I think the proposal is for a $750,000 pilot program to see how if it's feasible for the government to make this a responsibility. And I will also note that at the city council hearing where this was discussed um it wasn't just people from the uh disability community that were talking it was parents with baby strollers mm -hmm. uh, and, and, yeah. and people who as you point out were elderly who yeah. said i can't get down my block so right. it, it it affects a lot of people yeah and i i would just emphasize that point that ex when it comes to accessibility it always impacts far more people than just people with disabilities, right? We think about curb ramps at the end of sidewalks and how that was something that our community fought for um, that got into the, eight, the Americans with Disabilities Act, but how many people benefit from curb ramps, right? Parents with strollers, people with luggage, carrying heavy goods on a dolly, um, you think about things like captioning on TV and how that's an accessibility feature that so many people use captioning now if they're in a noisy restaurant and they can't hear the television and they put captions on. I was just having a conversation with a, a colleague this week who talked about how they need the captions for, you know, their shows where there's thick accents and they have a hard time understanding it. Um, and so I think that's just a really important point is just how if we build and design a world that's accessible for people with disabilities, it's going to be usable and accessible for everybody. Uh, let's talk about some of the other areas that uh, that access living works in. 
Um, one of the things that I, I understand uh, you're prioritizing is prioritizing underserved populations. Mm -hmm. uh, that probably dovetails with the poverty, but are there some underserved populations that we may not immediately think of? Yeah, so that is um, something that we're really focused on. Um, one is individuals um, with long COVID. Um, we did a lot of work during the pandemic to create a really robust um, COVID resources page because disabled people, you know, with underlying conditions particularly, um, we're at very high risk of getting COVID and um, very significant effects from COVID. And in the early stages of the pandemic, it was people with underlying health conditions that we would consider people with disabilities that were dying at rates of 90%. Um, and so we're now seeing people um, you know, living with long COVID. And um, last year at the Americans with Disabilities Act anniversary, President Biden came out and talked about long COVID being a disability because people are um, having one or more of those major life activities um, that are being impacted significantly by long COVID, severe fatigue, brain fog. Um, there was um, a data set that came out a couple of weeks ago that said, I think approximately 2.4% of the working age population is not working because of long COVID. So this is a really emerging segment that we're, um, as a disability community, really thinking about how we can support from a disability lens. Um, the other thing that we're really starting to work on is, is thinking about how access living can also support um, survivors who have become disabled as a result of gun violence. And, you know, I think this is a segment that we really need to talk more about and how we could leverage our services, our independent living services to help, you know, help people rebuild their lives as newly disabled people. And so we've started a series of community listening sessions um, run by survivors themselves here in Chicago. And so we're really listening about how we can best provide that support, that community support. So that's something that we're also going to be um, doing more on in the coming year. Um, you and that that point uh, raises a, a question in in my mind because obviously, if you're dealing with survivors of gun violence, there is there's there's mental trauma going yes. on with that. But yeah. is there also a component, uh, a psychological component, uh, even in what I hesitate to call everyday disabilities, but I mean, in your in even in the regular population uh, mm -hmm. that yeah. where you have to deal with how people are able to cope with that? Yeah, absolutely. The mental trauma is huge. Um, I also think like anytime someone acquires a disability, no matter what, what the reason, um, you know, there's definitely a process around how you think about yourself as a now a disabled person, how you access resources. Um, you know, the disability community is one of the largest communities 
Um, now the numbers are one in four Americans have some form of disability, and that's really only growing. We're seeing that just grow because people are living longer with age-related disabilities, um, things like gun violence, things like conflict, things like natural disasters and pandemics are all um, you know, ways that we're just seeing a real increase of people with disabilities. And so, you know, what we're trying to do is to bring those, to bring services and supports to people, um, you know, through a disability independent living lens. And, you know, with the mindset that, you know, we really believe that disability is part of the natural human condition. And, you know, we also work to foster, you know, disability pride. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot between the, the direct independent living services that we provide, housing services, you know, we're working a lot in the area of transportation. Um, so there's many different services that, you know, we want to bring more to, you know, various communities within the city of Chicago. Um, I, I will, am asking this knowing that it's a topic that we could do an entire program on, uh, but just give me a, a, a quick assessment of how we're doing when it comes to transportation, uh, doing, even public transportation. Yeah, we're doing better. Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge right now is just the rail accessibility on CTA we're a little over 70% accessible, um, but Access Living has been working really hard on that. And one of the things that we did this past year is we really fought for and worked um, to get the all stations accessibility funding as part of President Biden's infrastructure bill. Um, we worked on that with Senator Duckworth and, and CTA, and we now have $1.75 billion in money that's specifically going to go to transit authorities around increasing accessibility of systems because in many cities around the country we have these legacy rail systems that were built 100 years ago right long before the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed and so you know we still have a lot of work to do to make sure that our transportation systems are fully accessible and you know, CTA is committed to 100% accessibility. Um, they have a plan in place that you can find on their website called the All Stations Accessibility Plan. But this money from the federal government is going to really help move the needle faster on getting more stations accessible so that people with all types of mob mobility disabilities can, can fully benefit. Well, one more thing I wonder about is how much of what's ahead also has to be about educating the larger population uh, about uh, the people with disabilities. I mean, some people are still still feel uncomfortable uh, in in talking about it or in uh, in dealing with uh, with people. Uh, sometimes it's an issue of language. What, what you know, how you uh, talk about disabilities. How much of that is still to be done? Um, we still have work to do in that area for sure. And that's some of the work that Access Living does. We do a lot of um, disability trainings. Um, that's something we can offer. And, you know, I definitely think we have work to do to have a greater understanding of the disability community around, 
issues facing disabled people around appropriate language and you know how to use that you know recognizing ableism and where that shows up and i think you know that's something that we're really trying to also focus on but i've definitely seen seen movement in this area i i will say that and um you know i think we're going in the right direction we just still have more work to do and i can tell you that i've been involved in conversations among journalists about what how what things we should and shouldn't say <laughs> yes uh, so there's that but yes. uh, can you quickly define what ableism is because I, I i've heard it and I, I i think i know what it is but i think our listeners really really need to know yeah i think it's really just the idea about the mindset of seeing disabled people as less than non-disabled people um and it just it can show up in many different ways it can show up in language um like language that perpetuates stigma and stereotypes of people with disabilities it can show up in lack of accessibility um it can show up in accommodations um but we have a good um definition that access living has put out on our website and so people can go to our website and check that out as well. But yeah, it's really, it's really one of the isms. And it's really about disabled people, you know, being seen less than people without disabilities. Well, uh, I am, am glad that we got to have this discussion and glad that we can talk about an $8 million gift. Uh, so when uh, we will talk again, uh, that is Karen Tamley. She's the president and CEO of Access Living. And a thank you for spending the time with us. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. It's wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage and you can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue. And I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore. 1059 WBBM. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.